Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Welcome, boys and girls. Once again, week three, episode three of the FCS Speculators, a betting podcast. Ryan Tutel, Colton Juan is here with you. Great to be, uh, well, in the internet with you here uh, today. Or within it. Within it. Yeah, that's right. You wonder what's in the internet? It's us. Uh, so we're happy to be here. Uh, we will, once again in this podcast, go through the top 10 rankings at the FCS level, including uh, how those teams have done against the spread, to say nothing of how they did against their opponents last week. And then we will get into uh, some Big Sky Conference results, standings, all of that stuff. We will go through where how we did last week in our picks. Coulter, uh, we picked now for a couple of weeks of the FCS, and we'll see if we can get a trend going here in week three. And uh, we also will have a couple of guests later on in the show, including Sam Herter uh, from uh, Hero Sports. So we'll look forward to having a good show. Uh, well, with you all. Okay, good. Great <laughs> intro. How we doing? Feeling good? You're such a radio guy. I know, man. I, 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 Slam I, some more coffee, I, drink some more, me, eat some more brain yeah, pills. Yeah, Podcast. Yeah. You can swear if you want. I know, but I just don't like to do that, you know? What do they call it? Blue comedy when you swear? Uh, just for the effect? Yeah, something like uh, that. Yeah, I'm, it's, I'm, it's funny. Sometimes, I'm not into it. sometimes swearing is funny. Sometimes it's not. Right? Here's the thing. It is funny if, if it's not your shtick. Right. But if what you're there to do is swear to make people laugh, it's dumb. Right. It's just such low-hanging fruit. You can also tell when funny. people are swearing just to swear or if they just swear because that's just how they talk. Right. That's right. Like Montana State Offensive Coordinator Tim Cramsey. When I used to do podcasts with him. He can't not swear. <laughs> like if it was a radio interview, he would be terrible because he just is used to swearing. So yes. I mean, because he's from Allentown, Pennsylvania, like he's just straight from a... Oh, but it, you know, he's not performing. It's just totally. him doing his. Yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. It's right, you know? right, right, right. But when the little gal gets up there to do her stand up in the, you know, in the skirt and the leather jacket, and then just starts dropping all, it's like, get out of here. 
get out of here. Okay, Coulter, uh, here we go. Let's go through the uh, top ten rankings as they are this week in the Stats FCS Bowl. You have a vote in the, in the Stats FCS Top 25, so we'll take a look at where these results are and then maybe what you uh, sure. had, had put in there. North Dakota State, of course, remains at number one after a uh, convincing 38-3 win over then number 10, now number 14, Illinois State. That on the road in normal Illinois. James Madison, uh, they beat Stony Brook by a touchdown. Stony Brook uh, was the 24th ranked team. Not often that you see a team lose and moved up, move up in the polls, but I think people really respected the work that Stony Brook did in a, in a touchdown loss to the number two team in the nation. Uh, James Madison did not cover that spread last week, by the way, and they have probably the matchup of the weekend in the FCS this weekend against number five Villanova so we'll get to that but James Madison remains at number two they are five and one on the season South Dakota State they were number three they stay at number three they are four and one they beat Southern Illinois 28-10 last week they have Youngstown State this week Weber State a 41-35 win at Idaho it was a game that was Ultimately, I think a lot closer than people would have guessed. This game got a little bit weird. There was a 97-yard kickoff return for a touchdown by the Idaho Vandals in this game uh, and uh, and a late score to end up making this one close and a high-scoring game, especially for a Weber State game. I mean, they... They cover they 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 double or triple the total in this game uh, from what it was last week. But nonetheless, Weber State though they don't cover they do win. They remain at number four in the nation. They are three and two, and this is their first uh, loss against the spread. By the way, the Weber State Wildcats now four and one on the season. Villanova number five in the land. They beat William and Mary last week thirty five twenty eight. They will play at number two James Madison. Of course, we will again talk extensively about this game. They are six and zero. Oh. Villanova. Is is they're the only team other than North Dakota State with an unblemished record, and of course we we understand most of the losses in the top ten are to uh, FBS opponents. But uh, it's nice to have a goose egg there in the L column, and the uh, and Villanova certainly does. Montana State, the second Big Sky team, making an appearance here in the top ten. They won on the road at Cal Poly. Cal Poly always a weird team to play with the triple option. This game went to overtime. Montana State was up big early, twenty eight to seven. Cal Poly scored twenty one uh, twenty one touchdowns. 21 points on three touchdowns in uh, the last 11 minutes of this football game to force overtime. Montana State, an outstanding defensive stand in there in the first possession of overtime. They get the ball. They give it to Travis Johnson three times at quarterback. Run, 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 walk-off touchdown, and Montana State uh, wins the football game. And it depends where you got this number because this number opened at like six and a half, in which case if you were on Montana State, they did not cover. And then it moved to minus six, and then it became a push. So in any case, we talked about it at a minus six we push or moved up from six to six and a half. So if you got it early, you pushed. And if you got it late, you lost if you were on the Montana State Bobcats. Kennesaw State, uh, they had a bye last week, so they won. They're number seven in the country. It's a little joke, people. Overrated. Okay. Oh. I have not voted Kennesaw State in my top 15 yet this year. They have not played or beat anybody. It's not as I actually don't know if they're overrated. They just haven't played anybody. Okay. And they're not really going to. They're go- they're going to win probably ten to eleven games without playing a quality opponent. Is their cheerleaders? Are they still? Uh, are they still? Uh, you know, fighting the fight. You know, they were kneeling. Or that was like a big deal with the Kennesaw State cheerleaders with the uh, with, with the uh, anthem protest. Not protesting the anthem, protesting other sure. things during the anthem. Yeah, I, all I know about Kennesaw State is that the program. This is a huge transition year for them because they started the program. Six years ago, they started playing football five years ago, and so many of their first-ever recruits were all seniors last year. 
This is a team that went on a deep playoff run each of the last two years, but Chandler Brooks, the quarterback, is gone. So many other fifth-year seniors are gone. So I think they have a lot of fresh faces, and they've played teams like Point and Reinhardt and schools that I've never heard of, but they're somehow in the top ten still. Uh, I'm getting the shake-off from our producer, David, uh, that either they're not kneeling anymore or don't talk about these mm, things. Stick mm, to football. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, in any case, uh, here's the thing. Kennesaw State is shocking, Coulter, that they didn't have football five years ago. It's and, a giant school, 30,000-plus students. It's right and they go, about okay, an hour from Atlanta. We're doing football now, and the next thing you know, they're – you know, making deep playoff runs in one of the national contenders. Well, it's not I mean, really it's, that surprising. I mean, Georgia State and Kennesaw State both added football in the last decade, and they both, I mean, Georgia State beat Tennessee this year because you want to know why? Because everybody recruit does. Georgia. Well, no, because you just recruit Georgia. Just, just mean, get all the guys that I, don't go I, to Georgia I and they can't get into Georgia Tech, and boom, you got plenty of good players. I know, but I mean, it's still, I mean, to do it in, in, in your third year, second, third year of existence, it's, it is impressive. Uh, Montana dominant over Idaho State uh, this weekend. They were down seventeen to three from that point. They went on a fifty-nine to three run. They covered easily. They hammered Idaho State, and uh, they uh, are five and one. Montana is the number eight team in the nation. Towson had a bye. They are number nine. They play Albany this week, and then Northern Iowa. They get into the top ten after a win over Youngstown State. Uh, they were eight. They were thirteenth last week. Uh, Youngstown State was eighteenth. They won twenty-one fourteen, a hard-fought, low-scoring football game. But UNI back into the top ten, uh, and I like to see Northern Iowa there. I think Northern Iowa has consistently a good program, so I like the fact that they're back into the top ten. They are three and three on the season. One three and one against the spread. So there you go. Uh, there's a look at your top ten uh, from last week uh, in terms of how they did against the spread. Uh, your best bets in the top ten this year have been Villanova, who was five and one against the spread. James Madison, who was four one and one against the spread. Weber State is four and one against the spread, and uh, everybody else has at least two losses against the spread. Northern Iowa has been the worst top ten team. Uh, against the number one, three, and one on the season, uh, but you know, I don't think they care all that much about that. But we they got bigger things care. to worry about. Yeah, uh, well, playing NDSU this week. Yeah, that is that's another uh, top ten matchup. North, North Dakota State playing the number ten team in the in the land two weeks in a row. How about that? After playing the number four team in the land before that, mm-hmm. and it's been really no problem <laughs> so far. Yeah, I mean Davis gave them a little bit of a run a couple weeks ago. They destroyed Illinois State last week and. Now, they got Northern Iowa, which actually we're going to get into it a little bit, but maybe a, uh, there's only two teams in the Missouri Valley that aren't absolutely petrified of North Dakota State. South Dakota State. And Northern Iowa. Um, the uh, one team fell out of the top 10. It was Illinois State who played NDSU last week. They dropped to 13. Uh, again, I mean, they lost by 35. So, I mean, yeah, probably probably got to drop a couple spots even though it is NDSU and the only other big sky team ranked in the top 25 is the aforementioned UC Davis Aggies you, you mentioned they gave North Dakota their best game of the season North Dakota State the North Dakota State excuse me yes their best game of the season then they go home and their conference opener and they get shellacked by the Montana Grizzlies and then they go on the road to North Dakota in a conference game for UC Davis again not for North Dakota North Dakota transitioning out of the Big Sky but they will be playing a full Big Sky schedule so it will be conference games for the teams they're playing against and a road game look it's a long travel we say 1700 miles and change from uh, Davis California to Grand Forks North Dakota but UC Davis got down early and could not come back in this game they end up losing by two uh, to North Dakota so they have now lost three straight 
uh, and they're down to number 24. They're still in the top 25 holding on, but their game uh, this week coming up is uh, is a monster, monster game just to stay in the rankings against Cal Poly. Yeah, I mean, quickly, just in terms of the way I voted and the way I see the top 10, I had North Dakota State, James Madison, South Dakota State, number one, two, three for uh, every week of the season so far. I had Montana at number four this week. I think the Grizzlies are playing at uh, the highest level of any team in the Big Sky Conference, particularly offensively. I had Weber State at number five. A couple notes on the Weber State game. You know, the 41-35 against Idaho might be a little shocking. There was a couple different things that played out there. First of all, Jake Constantine has not been healthy all year. He missed about a month at quarterback. Uh, the Caden Jenks, he had his foot turned around backwards last year, if yeah, you remember, right? I it was a remember. horrible injury, and he doesn't look 100% yeah. still from that. And and let's be frank, he's just not as good a player as Jake Constantine. Jake right. Constantine's above average, and Caden Jenks is average. They also, Josh Davis was really limited. I think he got hurt their star running back. They do have Kevin Smith back, which I can't wait to talk to Brett Hine, the beat writer for Weber State, for the Standard Ogden Examiner, the Ogden Standard Examiner, rather, uh, because Kevin Smith was Weber State's starting running back four years ago, and then he has been nowhere to be found. I have no idea what he's been doing, and now he's back. That's a good one-two punch, but no Josh Davis. He's one of the best running backs in the league. He's first-team All-League guy a year ago. And then Adam Rodriguez, their first-team All-American defensive end, was not available in this game either. So we were staying a lot of injuries. Uh, so I think that that was part of the the closer-than-maybe-expected game against Idaho. Uh, I had Villanova then at number 6. I had Montana State at number 7. Uh, and then Northern Iowa had 8. Uh, and then I had Townsend, Townsend 9. I can't remember who I had 10, but I don't have Kansas State in my top 10. I think I voted them 13 this week because, like I said, I think they still got to prove it to me. And uh, Eastern Washington, UC Davis, out of my top 25. Yeah, and they will be until they even. To me, you got to have an even record at least. I mean, when you're two games below 500 halfway through the year, uh, you're not in my top 25. Yeah, Eastern Washington, by the way, is out of the top 25 altogether. So the voters agree with you Several years, that. that's been the case. Correct. Uh, UC Davis, however, uh, still in there, as we mentioned, at, at uh, number 24. Uh, let's, uh, you, know, you want to do what we did last week? Is that what we should do right now? Okay, we'll get into it. We'll bring in our producer, David Graff. Hello, David. Hey Ryan, how's it going? It's going so great, man. Really happy, really happy to be here. You know, that's good. That's okay, good to hear. Uh, I'll be more happy when you tell me that I beat Coulter down last week against the. Of course, we only disagreed really on like one bet last week on one uh, 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 on one of these numbers. We were really kind of tied at the hip on a lot of these games last week, so it's going to be close. Yeah, you did. You did pretty horrible. Um. <laughs> There's some pretty salty, bad beats. If I was actually putting money on this, I would have been really mad at that 97-yard kick return that Idaho had with a minute and six seconds to go Mm -hmm. to backdoor cover. Montana State, I mean, give me a win. I mean, you're up by 21 in the fourth quarter. You're up 28-7. Yeah. Uh, Those are both brutal beats. Well, if they had gone first, they might have covered for you. All right, so let's break it down. You guys both were on UC Davis minus four and a half. Loser. Nope. Then you have Northern Arizona over Northern Colorado, minus 12 and a half. Northern Arizona did the deed for you, covered in Flagstaff. Then you have Portland State, Bruce Barnum, minus nine and a half against Southern Utah. Easy dub, 52-31. Barney, hooking us up. Then 
as Coulter mentioned, Idaho backdoor, backdoor John Weber State. What Weber was that State. number? What was that number? It was only seven. Seven. It was seven. That's what I'm saying. Golly. It's only seven. Weber State wins by six. Weber State's Idaho. got the best kicker in the country. Trey Tuttle. He misses an extra point. And Idaho returns a kick. That's like the dirtiest cover you could get. Ugh. It's bad. It's I bet I you mean, Trey Tuttle hasn't missed an extra point in two years. That's why sports betting is is uh, a t- tenuous deal. We're only here to provide you information. That's all we're here to do. We're not here to help you out with True. missed extra points by all uh, all conference kickers. All American kickers. Jeez. Can't do anything about kickers. <laughs> you can play fantasy Just ask football. the Tennessee Titans. We're about to eliminate kickers from our fantasy football league. Yeah. That's going to be fun. All right. Then you guys were both all over Eastern Washington, plus two and a half. Said Eastern Washington till further notice, and they gave you notice. They did give us notice. Never now it's Eastern, Eastern Washington's Washington. opponent until further notice. <laughs> then you guys had Montana State minus six, so you guys got the push. Um, you guys covered that game. Then the only game that you were disagreeing on was Montana and Idaho State. Ryan took Idaho State plus eight and a half. Coulter said minus eight and a half. Montana's going to win the national title. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I it was looking good for about fifteen minutes and forty three seconds uh, for old Ryan Tutel on that uh, on that plus eight call, and then Dalton Sneed uh, told me to told me to stick it. So, I had I ex- a lot of money on the over personally, and I couldn't watch the game. Because I was working, and I get a text from these guys that Dalton Sneed was hurt and maybe out, so I was having a little mini panic attack slash heart attack at my apartment. Now, what was the what was the number on this? It game? was fifty six and a half. That was your lock so of the week. Montana covered uh, by themselves. Correct. Uh, what? Uh, what? So, what are you taking us out to lunch? Is that the deal now? I wish. No. We'll be really hungry after this six hour recording session in the sauna. It's true. Sounds people don't great. care about your problems, Coulter, and most people are happy you got them. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Jeff Choate, Coulter's favorite person. <laughs> I think I he, he's my favorite. He just reminds me of my dad so much. <laughs> I think he has a picture of Jeff Choate next to his bed what, on his nightstand. What does why does Choate reminds you of your dad? I know because he has all these quotable like things that are coming out of the clear blue sky. My dad thought his sayings were so good. And when he had a good one, he'd be like, oh, that was a good one. And he'd write it down <laughs> and on a piece of paper, tear it off, and put it in a manila envelope that he carried around in his briefcase. So his when he own, passed away, his own when, he, when we passed away, we found all of the envelope. Oh, my God. And went through it and just cried laughing. Two hours worth of just the funniest things you've ever of, of you've things ever heard. That he said. Yeah. Yep. And he also reminds me of him because they, you, when you're around him, you're like, do you always want to fight everyone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just calm down? Can we just hang out? Anyways. I mean, I uh, once upon a time I said a nice thing to Jeff Ch- about Jeff Choate or about his football team to him personally, and it was unclear that I hadn't just cursed at him about his mother. Like, the reaction was very similar. I mean, he said thank you, but – you know, 80% of communication is unspoken and just like bug-eyed, flexing, staring at you. And you're just like, no, what I'm saying is a nice thing. Okay? What was the nice thing? Was it complimenting his inability 
to do the forward pass. <laughs> I did not get to the forward pass, but this was when we thought there might be a portion of that offense that might include the forward pass, and we found out otherwise. Uh, the irony is if they put the linebacker back at quarterback, they'd throw the ball down the field better. They would. Who knew that in 2019 they would eliminate the forward pass? What's old is new. The forward What's pass. What's old is new, David. The most amazing part is they're still in the top ten. Are we Here, sure that he's not slinging Sammy Baugh? Here, by the way, by the way, uh, if you're just do yourself a favor and listen to Jeff Choate's press conference. Uh, it's uh, it's all over the place. You can go check it out. Montana State feed. Do you have it up at Skyline Sports? Coulter? I do. Yeah, SkylineSportsMT.com. You can find it. Big Sky Breakdown. Jeff Choate on Sac State. I also just wrote a article last night that's posted now today. Um, just about the dichotomy that is the Bobcat offense. I mean, right now, Montana State's averaging 40 points per game against FCS opponents. They're averaging 435 yards of total offense per outing. They can't throw it still. Yep. So where do you stand? I mean, it's amazing that they're putting up that level of production. Well, to your point, they are the number one rushing team in the Big Sky Conference ahead of the triple option team. Right. I mean, that's... And they're not running as nearly as... I mean, they have the Wildcat package, and Travis Johnson's get about seven carries a game, but... They're doing it in the way more traditional style mm-hmm. without their bell cow running back. I mean, it, it is exceptionally impressive, the the operation of the offensive line that they've been able to produce on the ground like they have. Amazing. Everybody on the team is a running back, though. doesn't matter if you play offense or defense. It's a fact. Just give it to whoever's back there. Let them run. <laughs> yeah. And also, everybody on the team is a quarterback, which is the irony of the fact that they don't have one. Mm-hmm. I think they have 19 players on their roster that started varsity in high school at quarterback. I can't remember who who it was that said it, but if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Right. Well, Montez has nineteen, so nineteen. So they have zero. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's finish how you guys did. Okay. With some records here, Ryan went two four and one against the spread in the Big Sky. Coulter went three three and one on totals. Ryan went four two and one. Coulter went three three and one. So we actually tied in terms of our total bets. You did one better against the spread. I yeah, did one better yeah. on the on the total. I thought last week was uh, was a little bit of a revelation for me in terms of who I'm comfortable betting for and against. I think there's still some teams that are sort of in the the murky area. I think Idaho State could be a team that's going to maybe muddy some spreads. I think that Idaho, even though as much as we don't want to like anything about Idaho just because of the disaster that it is, I think they're a little bit muddy in terms of the way where they're at with spreads. They're completely because because you don't know who's going to be there. Exactly. Idaho's, Idaho has the talent, to your point, right. to cover every time they go out totally. there, if not win a football game. Totally. And then they also have the mentality to lose by 1,000 on any given Saturday. Totally. And, and I think that conventional wisdom was to say, regardless of what's happened so far, Bet on Jake Merritt, UC Davis. Bet on Eric Berry at Eastern Washington. But after watching those two games, Davis is really, really hurt up front on offense, and they can't protect Mayer. And until they can, he he goes from elite to average just because he's not that athletic and he's not that big. If you protect him, he's going to shred you. But if you don't, he can't really do much. Mm-hmm. And Eastern Washington, that's a whole different story. We'll get into that a little bit later. But that's a sinking ship right now. They need to plug the the holes, and if they don't, I'm off Eastern Washington for a minute because I was betting on Eastern to to write it, and I just don't know how they're going to because they, they looked like the most dysfunctional team in the bad, league last week. Bad news. Mayor also lost Hard Knocks superstar Keelan Doss, so that never helps. Uh, let's go through the rest of the games, the FCS national games. Yeah. You guys went 2-1. and one. North Dakota State covered easily 
Uh, Sam Houston State, 31-20, so they didn't quite cover. And then Bryant, the seven-point underdog. Oh, yes. One by seven over Mary Mack. All right. Mighty Mary Mack goes down. Um, then at the FBS level, the level that has bowl games, bowl games matter. Bowl games do matter. Thank you. Ryan, 2-1. and one. Coulter unceremoniously went 0-3. What can you go? Can you run through those games yeah. from last week? Coulter said he, Auburn. Coulter said he thought that Auburn might be the best team in the country because he watches the line play and who dominated <laughs> just, the lines. I mean, can we just cut this part out? Can we just have you guys do the? FBA? I'm gonna take you through my Saturday. Okay, full- on Saturday I get down the deal. We got set it up. Started at ten. Then you broadcast all the way until the game. Then you watch the whole Grizz game while you're still trying to pay attention to the rest of the games of the Big Sky. You go home, you write it while you're trying to watch the cat game. You watch the cat game, it goes to overtime. Then you turn on Eastern Washington versus Sacramento State. You watch that. I watched zero seconds Bro, of FBS. Football. I did the exact same thing, and I went two or three. Yeah, but so you want to know what because our you record do. all the games and you sit there and watch them all. I do. Our listeners don't care about excuses. So it's true. Guys, <laughs> so they should not listen to me at all. They should just listen to you guys do FBS. You guys games. both did Oklahoma minus thirty two. No bueno. No. Yeah, they... they uh, Kansas covered, huh? They, Kansas was up in that so game initially. I am so oblivious to the FBS that I don't... These results are news to me. Les Miles Wednesday. is the head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks. I knew that part. I've been watching the doc. Okay, then finally oh, the last game... Can't was, watch. You can't watch the actual games, but you can watch the well, doc. Because, uh, you know, I'd rather watch a doc about Kansas than watch a game where people just buy wins. Oh, my gosh. Listen to this guy. The last game was Oregon... Minus 17 and a half against Cal. Cal should have won that game outright, but they, they did cover the spread. Final score was 17 to 7. Yeah. Okay. Uh, David, thank you very much. Thank you for keeping track of how we're doing over here. Uh, not a great week for us in uh, the big sky. We're pretty 500, I guess. I mean, 3 3 and 1 is still because of juice. Right. Say that again. Sorry, I hit the button. Still lose money because of juice. Because of the vig, man. But the point is, is that you know what do we got to get? We got to get sixty percent. Is right. what we're what we you know that's what that's that's what you want to. Well, get I was to. I was I thought we were I was going to go about six and one last week, and uh, would have been probably about five and two if not for the two really bad beats. It's a part of it. It's a part of this. This pick them, but I do feel a little, a little bit more comfortable at where we're at. We're at the midpoint of the season now, so I think we kind of know more. Uh, let's go through the Big Sky Conference just by itself in terms of, of the standings and some of the against the spread stuff. Montana and Montana State sit, sit on top of everybody. 5-1 uh, and one by record and 2-0 and oh in conference play. They're the only 2-0 and oh teams in the conference. They're the only 5-1 and one teams in the conference. So it's uh, there they are, 1-2. Weber State is 3-2 and two overall. And they're one and zero in conference. That's the same with Sacramento State. There's your three and four teams. Both of those teams uh, obviously have only played one conference game, uh, but they did win it. Uh, Northern Colorado is one and five, but they are one and one in conference with their win over Idaho. Idaho is two and four and one and one in conference. Idaho State two and three and one and one in conference. And on down the line we go. Eastern Washington very surprisingly two and four overall and one and one in conference. Southern Utah, not surprisingly, one and five overall, and zero and two in conference. And UC Davis, shocking, two and four uh, overall, and zero and two in the Big Sky. Uh, they've had 
probably the toughest first two games when you talk about being at home against Montana and then on the road at uh, North Dakota. But if you were, you know, supposedly a top ten, even a top five football team, there's no excuses to be made. UC Davis is not getting it done right now. And I mean, I don't know, man. I know that it's an original way of being. I know you love Dan Hawkins. I, I do. thought he was. I thought he was hedging his bets a little bit when he was saying. We don't care about winning games. We might win no games. We just care about being the best men we can. We care about winning each day, being better each day. Mm-hmm. I get the philosophy. But also, I thought he was hedging his bets a little bit. I know that this does absolutely nothing for you. I love it. I'd go to I'd go play a UC Davis today for Dan. Oh, no, I, I, don't, I totally get that part. I'm just saying, like, it just seemed like there was some foreshadowing towards him knowing that they weren't going to be as good. I don't think so. I don't think that's what it is. I, I, I buy it, and maybe he's just a great salesman because he's been doing it for 30 years, but I, I don't think that that is – look, man, I mean, they returned like 23 seniors to this team. They did, but I think that you can't underrate the guy they lost. I think you can overrate the guy that they lost. But don't listen to Bobby Houck. No. I mean, I mean Keelan Doss, the production is – Keelan Doss was facing triple coverage all year last year. He still caught 115 passes. The, the loss of Keelan Doss is huge, but it also I mean, is... He caught, he caught 225 passes for over 3,000 yards the last two years. That, that it's, all, it's, all, it's all real, but they still got some, some outstanding wide receivers, but they are, they are not putting it together. And I think Jake Mayer, I do think some of the puzzle about how to defend him has been solved. Yes, uh, and I think that is part of what's what going on. What do I always on. say? And, and what do now I, they have to counter that. What I always say: you got to have between five and seven of the guy of the best player at their position in the league. Last year, they had one of the three best edge guys in the league in Mason Moye. They do not have that anymore. Last year, they had one of the best safeties in the league. They don't have it. He graduated last year. They had the best receiver in the conference in the country. In the country, I mean, Jared Harrell is a nice player. He's he's one of the, he's probably the seventh or eighth best receiver in the conference. That's not the best receiver in the country. Yeah, Alonzo Gilliam, one of the three best running backs in the league. They still have him. Jake Mayer, they still have him. But they they lost basically four of the seven guys who are in that mix as one of the best guys in the league. Keelan Doss, even better than you guys are saying, in his UC Davis career, he had three hundred twenty-one catches and over four thousand yards. Pretty good. He had over 115 in his last two seasons in Davis alone. Right. Each year. uh, Against the spread, let's go back to the big sky here. The Montana Grizzlies leading the way against the number. They are 5-1 on the season. Montana State right behind them at 4-2. Weber State and Idaho State both also with just one loss uh, at 4-1 and and, uh, 3-1 respectively. And I did miss Sacramento State. They're the best team against the spread, undefeated against the number this season, 4-0, the Sacramento State uh, Hornets. And they have a huge game at Montana State this weekend, uh, which I am looking forward to. Did you put Sac State in your top 25 in your stats? Oh, yeah, I ranked them 13. There's another one. I got to talk about that. Jeff Choate, I know he's being Don King, as he is on Mondays. Fight promoter. Fight promoting. But I, I don't think he's wrong when he says that Sac State's the best FCS team that they've played. I think that that's true. I think Southeast Missouri State is the uh, is not as good as people expect them to be. They're still solid, but they're not a top 16 team. 
Um, but the rest of Montana State's FCS slate. Yeah. I mean, this game, this homecoming game in Bozeman on Saturday, the, this is the best Big Sky team, certainly, that Montana State's played. And it's the best FCS team that I think that they've played. A uh, couple of individual notes for you. Dalton Sneed is the uh, offense player of the week in the Big Sky Conference for the third consecutive week. And he is also your FCS, Stats FCS, national offensive player of the week. Uh, he has uh, he had 464 combined yards on Saturday, uh, 397 of those through the air, 358 of those passing yards in three quarters, the last three quarters. He went 21 of 28 for 358 yards and two touchdowns in the last three quarters against Idaho State. Completely impressive. Also rushed for two more touchdowns uh, in a, a 67-yard effort on the ground, led Montana in rushing as well. Uh, and so he is uh, the first quarterback to have three conference offensive honors in one season since Gage Gubrud in 2017 for Eastern Washington. And, and I mean, he doesn't look anywhere close to being done as far as that. I mean, he's talking about three in a row. That's a turkey, people. If we're in bowling, right, you, you rack them up. And uh, he is playing as good as a kid can play. And by the way, he has moved up now number three in the nation in terms of passing yards, right behind Case Cookus of Northern Arizona, Dalton Snead, 1,882 yards on this season uh, now. So he's number three in the nation, Case Cookus at Northern Arizona, 2056. David, who's number one? Do you know who number one is in the country? Kid from Houston Baptist. Okay, there you go. Thank you. Thank you, Coulter. Uh, so anyway, Dalton Snead, when he's going like this, I mean – what are you going to do? You, just, you can't stop him. Defensive player of the week uh, in the Big Sky, George Tarlis of, of Weber State. This is a we talk about what's there's in rebuilding and reloading, and we talk about. You were questioning me this summer. You said, "Hey, why do you think even though Weber State lost seven of their eight first team All League defensive guys, why do you still have them amongst your top three teams in the Big Sky and in your top ten teams in the country?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "Dude, because Jay Hill's such a good recruiter that the guy who's up next." might be as good, and he might actually even be better. He's just younger. And Adam Rodriguez goes down and plays limited, if not any action, in the game against Idaho. And George Tarlos, who's a guy I've never heard of, comes off the bench and has two sack strip fumbles and is the Big Sky Defensive Player of the Week in his first career start. That's Six, the type of guy that Weber State has waiting in the wings. Six tackles, five solo, and as you said, two two tackles for loss, which were both sacks and both fumbles, which were both recovered by Weber State. And by the way, they only won by a score. So if you think that George Tarlis wasn't huge for his football team uh, in terms of getting the win in Idaho, he was, and that was uh, a major, major you know, uh, uh, impact, and he is your defensive player of the week, and in really his first game ever uh, in the Big Sky Conference. Special teams player of the week, Lewis Aguilar of Northern Colorado, hit a 57-yard field goal. Now, bear in mind, they play on the moon in Flagstaff, so it goes a little further than it does the rest of the places in the country in the dome there. But a uh, 57-yarder, pretty impressive. Uh, he is 10 of 10 uh, on field goals under 50 yards as well. So he's outstanding. Also, uh, what, a perfect 27 of 27 on all extra points as well. So uh, they got it figured out at place kicker there at NAU. Lewis well, and they have, for, they have forever, too. The fact that they play indoors and they play at 7,200 feet, it's a it's a mecca for kickers. Yeah. Because you can go train there, and, I mean, your confidence level is going to be sky high because you're going to be able to kick the ball farther there than probably any venue in the country, save maybe in Laramie, Wyoming. But the fact that it's indoors, it gives you even an additional boost. Um, they've always had great kickers and punters, and this guy Laramie does. is not higher than NAU. Laramie's right? 7,000 feet, right? How high is Laramie, David? You went to Wyoming. Yeah, you're on. 7,020 feet. Yep. 
and and Northern Arizona is seventy two hundred feet. So those are the two highest college campuses okay. in the country. All right, uh, very good. You know, I used to live in Santa Fe, New Mexico, Coulter. Mm. 7,000 feet there. Is it really? Yes, it is. Very Interesting. high. I used to live in Ely, Nevada, mm. 8,300 feet. We drove through Ely, Nevada on our way back from Reno from the Big Sky Conference uh, to basketball tournament when it was there. Beautiful, beautiful portion of the country. Man, talk about isolated. I can't even imagine <laughs> what I would have turned out like if I would have lived my whole teenage years Well, my there. God, I mean, you turned out like this and you actually had to talk to people. You would be in the middle of a freaking rock mine, not working, <laughs> mind you, living. <laughs> Doesn't sound so bad. Deep in the earth. Uh, Okay, let's go through Coulter. The numbers for this week, uh, week three in the Big Sky Conference. All uh, all odds courtesy of five dimes. And so let's go through the uh, Big Sky Conference slate this weekend uh, against the spread. This, by the way, and I've gone through this ahead of time. These are some these are some intriguing numbers that have been put down. Yeah, there's here. some there's some really tough numbers. Yes, there are. Week. There are. Uh, we start with Idaho State. They're coming off a big win two weeks ago against Portland State, and then a huge loss last week against the Grizzlies. They welcome North Dakota, coming off of their win over UC Davis. Uh, Idaho State is a one point home favorite in Pocatello as the Fighting Hawks head for uh, head for uh, Idaho to take on the Bengals. This is a really tough number. I was also surprised given the fact that North Dakota beat Sam Houston State when they were 23rd in the country. North Dakota beat UC Davis when they were number 12 in the country. I expected North Dakota to be favored in this game, but I think that there's some respect still for Idaho State despite the fact they got the doors blown off of them in the second half last week. I think that home field advantage, even if the home field isn't a raucous atmosphere, still impacts the Lions in the big sky. Going to Holt Arena is weird. Going to the walk-up Skydome in Flagstaff is weird. Going to the Alaris Center in Grand Forks, North Dakota. It's just tough to get to these places, and the way that teams are going to perform when they're there, I think it has an impact on the line sometimes. So uh, I think the other thing when you talk about is the X's and O's of this matchup. North Dakota plays a ton of man coverage. They blitz a, they blitz all as much as any team in the country percentage-wise. Yep. They're on a 3-4, and they're going to bring an extra linebacker. They're going to bring four-man pressure out of a three-man front on almost every down, honestly. They have run blitzes. They have pass blitzes. They have everything. And we've seen that they can really avalanche opponents sometimes with that style, and they can also get shredded. Bob Stitt's offenses used to shred these, the North, North Dakota's defense because they couldn't match up on the outside and just throw bombs over their head. Well, Idaho State has a ton of the same – run pass option elements. So when you actually break down the logistics of it all, I don't know, it's a big game because I think it's a make or break game for Idaho State to see if they're really a contender or a pretender because they wailed on Portland State and then they got wailed on in Missoula. So where are we at with Idaho State? But also now that North Dakota's got a couple quality wins under their belt, uh, it, it, where are we at with North Dakota as well? I think this is a – I don't know if either of these teams are playoff teams, but I think that this is a game to con- – determine if either of these teams can be bubble playoffs. Yeah, yeah. The loser of this game is probably not a contender any right. longer. Uh, it's a little maybe early to say that. I, I, I find this game so difficult because I, I thought Idaho State was impressive versus Portland State, and I thought they were good for a quarter, obviously, versus Montana, and then just got just destroyed. I thought that Mitch Guller looked uh, like – a mediocre at best wide receiver for uh, for Idaho State, but I thought that they're you know the other guys on that team uh, looked really really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and North Dakota, they go in, they play, you know, and beat Sam Houston State. This is a pretty good win. Then they, excuse me, they lose at Eastern Washington. Now, remember, that game was played in the blowing sideways snow sleet on the Inferno at Cheney, Washington. And and that's a, but that's still a bad loss, 35 20 in that football game. And then they beat UC Davis, who, again, excuse me, both of those teams are, are down. Uh, but to go UC Davis and 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 Eastern Washington back to back and go one and one, I I don't know. I just don't have a good feel for North Dakota at all. And a one point favorite for the home team is, I guess, probably about right. You could have probably thrown any like if you would have asked me to handicap this game, I could have probably given you about an eighteen point range where I would have said, you know, I would have believed, I would have believed North Dakota minus seven, and I'd have probably believed Idaho State minus eight. You know, and and. And at minus one, I'm very, I'm very torn about this game. The other thing that is worth noting is that Idaho State has struggled to stop the run for twenty years, <laughs> and and they don't anymore. That was actually one part of their defense I thought was really impressive last week against Montana. Dalton Snead needed to throw for four hundred yards to loosen that thing up because mm-hmm. they were getting nothing on the interior run game, yes. especially in the first half. And when you look at North Dakota, what do they do on offense? Will they ground and pound it? James Johansson, the big bruising running back. You know, if Idaho State is as salty as they looked against the run last week, that also negates a lot of what North Dakota does on offense as well. So pick uh, it. I'm going to take Fantasy, and I'm going to take Idaho State at home to bounce back. Uh, essentially, I mean, it's not a pick'em game, but it's close to a pick'em. I'll take Idaho State to figure out a way to win this game. Uh, and and uh, and win it by two at least uh, against North Dakota. I also uh, will definitely take the over in this game. The number is the total is fifty three. Uh, I think Idaho State their strength is on offense, and and North Dakota has a good a good offense, a decent offense. So yep. I think fifty three points is uh, a, a number that's that's definitely gettable in this one. So I would take the over in this game. The matchups on the perimeter are so key to analyzing almost every game in the Big Sky Conference, and I think that Tanner Guller, excuse me, Tanner Connor, Mitch Guller, Mikey Dean will have advantages over North Dakota's corners. I also expect that Matt Strzok was really good in Missoula until Robbie Houck rung his bell, and then he was irrelevant mm-hmm. for a good stretch, and Montana got red hot during that point, and so then Matt Strzok was, he couldn't get Idaho State back on track, and He's not the first or last quarterback to get rattled both physically and mentally at Washington Grizzly Stadium. But I expect him to be back on track because I actually liked his arm talent a lot. I thought yeah, I it looked he, really I think good he can throwing. really throw it. Yeah. And I think that those Idaho State receivers, combined with Ty Flanagan, the running back, I think they're going to have a chance to get back on track on offense. So I'm, I'm t- going to take Idaho State as well, and I, I got the over as well. Uh, this game, by the way, on uh, Pluto Television, that's channel 543 on Pluto TV, 1 o'clock Mountain Time kickoff of uh, that football game. Here's another one for you. This one <laughs> is is shockingly intriguing. Northern Colorado at Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington, a 19.5-point favorite at home uh, in this football game. Northern Colorado, their only win of the season again against Idaho, and we were stunned that that took place. Idaho was, I think, a 9-point or 11-point favorite in that football game and lost it outright in Greeley. But nonetheless, Northern Colorado is not good. But Eastern Washington, uh, there is a giant hole in the hole of the ship and it is going down quickly. 
Uh, this is a no-questions-asked-gots-to-have-it football game for the Eastern Washington Eagles against Northern Colorado. Uh, this was, at the beginning of the season, a quasi-bye week. Now, not so much. 19 points feels like a big number, but it's not nearly as big as I would I mean, you would have told me 35 points. I would have believed it ahead of time. But now, the way this team is going, you told me Eric Berrier got quasi-benched in the game uh, last week uh, uh, against Sacramento State and then sort of sitting off by himself, then told to go back in, didn't want to go, then finally did go back in. And and so it's just completely unclear uh, what's going on. You also made a great point, Coulter. Uh, you know, Bo Baldwin leaves. Aaron Best takes over still, though, a very high-quality football team, obviously. They go all the way to the national you know, semi, or the national championship last year, or the national runner-up. But this offseason, like four uh, uh, assistant five. coaches, five assistant five coaches. Assistants. Offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special teams coordinator, recruiting coordinator, all left. I mean, that's, that's, that's huge. And look, there's always, almost always turnover on staffs, uh, but those are – those are major positions, all the major positions outside of head coach that have got to all of a sudden be replaced, and clearly it's not going well. Uh, Eastern Washington has talent, and anytime you got Eric Berrier, that's good news. And again, Northern Colorado, not very good, but I, 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 this, is, this, is, this is a game that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on. I certainly expect Eastern Washington to win, but I could see this being a struggle for the Eagles given the way they're going, it also could be a circle of the wagons type of deal, you know, and they get out there and they go, no, 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 we got to get on track, let's go, and they, you know, they leave no doubt. So what, where are you at on this football game? Well, Northern Colorado is just, they're just bad across the board. They're not good on defense. They're not good against the run on defense. They're not good against the pass on defense. And offensively, our producer David has mentioned multiple times that Jacob Nip is the number one FCS quarterback prospect for the NFL, and right now he has a 121 rating, and he's throwing for less than 200 yards per game, and it's because they're just giving the ball to Milo Hall over and over and over again. Milo Hall is fourth in the league right now in total rushing yards, but he's got 145 carries, which is nearly 35 more than everybody else in the league. He's only averaging 3.2 yards per carry. So they're grinding that kid. This is a football team that's trying to run the clock, that's trying to right. limit and, possessions. And they're not yeah. doing it with a dual-back system, which almost everybody uses now. Yeah. So how – I don't know. They're not They're not maximizing their best playmaker, who's their quarterback. They don't have playmakers for him to really throw the ball to because Alex Wesley, who was a great receiver, who had a cup of coffee in the NFL, he's no longer there. And Milo Hall's a, a good running back, but I, how can you endure it? I mean, when you're already halfway home to 300 carries and you're only halfway through the year – Seems just like a recipe for a breakdown. Yeah. And then on the other side, when you talk about not being able to stop the pass, not being able to stop the run, Eastern Washington is in a state of disarray, there's no doubt, but they have one of the best offensive fronts in the league. They have one of the best running games in the league. That's one thing that's been underrated about them since Aaron Best took over. Antoine Custer can be a bell cow. He's an incredibly talented guy. When he's been healthy and used properly, he's been over 100 yards twice this season already. So I think Eastern Washington, even though they are sort of sink or swim like you said, I got Eastern to cover this thing. All right. Eastern Washington is uh, minus 19.5. Coulter goes on the cover there. Uh, the total on this game, 59.5. Coulter, what do you uh, what do you expect out of this in terms of the, uh, the, the, the total number, almost 60? Well, I think that Eastern is going to know that they're going to need to get back on track. So I think that even if they do get out in front early, I think they're going to pour it on. I think they're going to score a bunch of points. So I think this comes down to how many is Northern Colorado score. They're, Northern Colorado right now is – 
scoring 15 points a game and giving up 38 points per game. I think Eastern will score more than that. If Northern Colorado can take care of their part of the bargain, you know, 49-14 is not out of the question, which would get you to the over uh, just barely. So uh, even though it's a tough one to get there because I just don't know how much Northern Colorado is actually going to score, I'm still going to take the over. Uh, Okay. I am going uh, to agree with you in terms of of the over-under on this. I'm going to take Eastern Washington. They're the far more talented team. And, you know, at some point, uh, I I think this is is one of probably a couple forthcoming make-or-break weeks for Eastern Washington. Uh, If they win this game by – let's put it like this. If they win this game and don't cover, it's curtains for Eastern Washington as far as I'm concerned. I mean, they need to win this game and win it convincingly, if for no other reason than their own psyche. You know what I mean? They need to go in there and believe for themselves that they're capable of doing this. And uh, not, not capable of doing it, but but prove that they are who everybody kind of said and thought they were. And not being in the top 25, coming off a bad loss at Sacramento State, I think all of that is going to be a motivation. I think it's a real look-in-the-mirror opportunity for them. And they have an opponent that just is not very good. And so this is an opportunity for that. Like I said, I do think that there is a a chance that it just all goes bad for Eastern Washington. I mean, they could, if it truly fell apart, they could lose this football game. But uh, mm, I see in previous years, here's where I'm at with Northern Colorado. I think that Northern Colorado's actually, as ironic as this is to say, Northern Colorado's had underrated talent the last handful of years. When Jacob Nip went down a couple of years ago and then Kyle Slaughter came in. Yeah. And you're like, oh, the backup quarterback in Northern Colorado. And then he goes and throws 30 touchdowns and he goes to the NFL and now he's a backup quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. Just shows you kind of the misvaluation of personnel that he they might have. He should be the starter for the Vikings. <laughs> I mean, I'd be on it. Slaughter's got a better arm than Kurt Cousins. Uh, regardless, Northern Colorado's had talent. Yeah. I don't think they do anymore. Okay. Uh, so I'm taking uh, I'm taking Eastern Washington to cover the 19 and a half. Uh, I am going to take the under though in this football game. Uh, playing outside, not sure exactly what the weather's going to be like, uh, but I don't expect Northern Colorado to score. And I think that Eastern Washington is going to have some mistakes. I just think that that is uh, kind of where they're at right now. So I'm going to take the under on the 59 and a half. We move on, Coulter. Idaho at Portland State. The Vandals, uh, as we said, the most roller coastery team, particularly when you're trying to pick. Uh, against the spread because they have they have talent that is uh you know they have some guys that are top end talent in the big sky conference and then they have uh a certain mentality or an implosion mechanism that occasionally is there and you just don't know how this team is going to go portland state at home a one and a half point favorite versus idaho uh, do we know where they're playing this game? Is it at Hillsboro? Hillsboro Stadium. Okay. So uh, Portland State, a one-and-a-half-point favorite. They're coming off a big win uh, last week after they had lost to Idaho State. So this is the one that they, you know, uh, they, they need at home to keep the thing going. This is a weird one again, man. I, I think all of these games so far have not been clear-cut. I, even the Eastern Washington thing, I know you think that they're going to win. I do too, uh, but – there, it's by no means the sure thing, quote unquote, sure thing that that some other teams are because of uh, the 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 up and down nature, particularly of the Vandals. So one and a half points favored to the Vikings. They got to win by two to cover it up. I think that the thrashing that Idaho State put on Portland State sort of clouds 
what we think of them because I thought that they were pretty impressive yes. in the non-conference. They so played well against they played really well against Arkansas. They played well for a half against Boise State. But then they also had a couple just complete misnomer games. I mean, 70 to 7 against Simon Fraser, what do you actually get out of that? I don't know. 59-9 over Eastern Oregon. I mean, you're talking about playing less than division 2 level teams. Those aren't even like playing Central Washington. Those are playing I mean, it's a surefire bet that you're going to win those games by 50-plus points. It, they're just kind of pointless games. But then I, you have to wonder if then sort of the disparity in the level they played had them sort of sleepy when they went to Holt Arena to play Idaho State. And then that's a bad matchup against that flex as well because, like, like you always say, the flex defense, if they stay ahead of the offense, they got a real chance to really confuse you. If they get behind, though, they can get gashed. And Idaho State got them behind and gashed them. 41 points in the first half. But then they adjusted last week against Southern Utah. And again, Southern Utah's not good. But this is an interesting game, this Portland State-Idaho game, because I think that we don't want to believe that the Vandals are good, but they might be better than we think they are sometimes. If they show up, will they show up? That's the biggest question. I think we also want to believe that Portland State's kind of good, but are they? Because they've looked good against a terrible Southern Utah team, and they look terrible against a pretty good, okay, maybe average Idaho State team. I think this is a game we'll learn a lot about both these teams. I think it's safe to say that Idaho is the only team in America that is going to play in front of 100,000 people at Penn State and play in a high school stadium in the same year. What a deal. I mean, the, the swing that you have when you're playing up and, and, then, then, and, playing, then play, and then play in 1973 when they play at their home games. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then find themselves right in the middle. Uh, just, I mean, they're, they're, it's such an odd atmosphere week in and week out that Idaho has to deal with. Um, but when you talk about being up for a game, it's not going to be easy to be up for this game. I mean, Portland State is not a team that, let's put it like this, the kids that are talented, that are really good on this football team for Idaho, are still primarily kids that were recruited the FBS level. Portland State is not on any of their radar. Now, it might be at this point, you know, but but generally they're like, eh, okay. And now you're going to play at a high school stadium that's not even going to be full, and you got to go out there and play and respect what Portland State is, and I don't think they will. I just don't think they will, man. So I got Barnum's team winning this game, and I got them covering then as well. Idaho could win this game by 20 points. Okay, I they have the talent to do that. In terms of the top end talent, they are certainly more talented than Portland State is, at, at least in some individual matchups. But as a team, Portland State I think is probably you know on the on the level talent wise. In fact, maybe even a little bit better taken as a whole. Here's the thing: I think that there's high talent on Idaho, and I think there's pretty low talent on Idaho. Yep. Whereas Portland State has you know decent talent kind of across the board. I think they've been playing well, but this to me is just about Idaho being mentally capable of going out and taking a football game seriously in a park in Hillsboro, Oregon, against a team that many of the players and and you know don't kind of go palms up about. Okay, who what's what is Portland State? So I'm going to say that Idaho State just doesn't show up to this football game, and Portland State's pretty good. Idaho doesn't show. Up I'm sorry, I'm just going to say Idaho doesn't really show up to this football game, and. And add to that that Portland State is pretty good. Like I think I, I'm a buyer of Portland State in general as a as a decent Big Sky team, and so I'm going to take them to cover uh, one and a half points. I would never <laughs> 
actually go down and 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 call my guy up and put anything on well as we talked about probably any idaho game right at this point um you're also taking portland state is that did you pick yet no, Trey, Trey okay. Walker and Charles Ocano for Idaho are two of the better defensive players in the league. I mean, Trey Walker is right there with Dante Olsen amongst the league leaders in tackles right now. They have the exact same amount of tackles, which is a very impressive statistic for Trey Walker. Charles Ocano has already been the defensive player of the week in the league as well as nationally. He has 10 tackles for loss, which is the second most in the league behind Bryce Sturk at Montana State. So they, they have some a couple talented guys, like you mentioned, at Idaho. And then you but when you look at... I always talk about the matchup element. Portland State runs this flex defense, and if you can stretch the field, you can beat this defense, especially if you can stay ahead of it. Idaho has no desire to do that. They want to run inside zone and quarterback waggle, back and forth, back and forth. They want to get into third and threes and have Mesa Petrino roll out to the short side of the field and fire that five-yard dart to the diving receiver. Right, right. I think that the flex guy – He's going to feast on that style. So I think Portland State has a chance to to really confuse Idaho offensively. And I think that Portland State, their strength defensively is their defensive line. And so that's going to be a good matchup because Idaho actually has a pretty good offensive line. I think that Portland State will be able to stifle Idaho's run game and confuse Mesa Petrino. I got Portland State as well. The total is a big one, 63.5. It's the biggest on the board in this one. I'm still taking the over. I think both these teams score. Uh, against each other and I'm gonna uh, I, I Portland State has gone 52 31 52 34 59 9 and 45 10 obviously the 45 10 against Boise State uh, where they lost but they this is for, for for good or bad they're in high scoring games man they've had 50 burgers in their last three consecutive football games either for or against them I'm I'm taking the over on the 63 and a half Oh, man. I don't know. I think I am, too. Yeah, I'm going to take the over. Okay. Did I just convince you of something finally, Coulter? Is that what happened here? You're always convincing me of stuff. Did I finally get one over on you? Well, I thought maybe these teams are getting a slugfest, but then I reminded myself this is the big sky. Portland State, by the way, uh, in in four totals, has three overs and one under uh, this season. Idaho? Four overs and one under. So I'm, I'm, I'm even with the big number on it. I'm, I'll take the over. Um, okay, that game, by the way, available on uh, Pluto Television Channel five thirty two, two o'clock Mountain Time kickoff uh, for that one. The eleven sports game of the week, also on Pluto Television five forty five. The this is a a I guess a quasi rivalry. It's a rivalry game of, of sorts. I don't know how many people are totally into it, but this is a, it's a unique team. situation because. Most conferences are built upon, at least they when they were first formed, schools that are regional but also academic peers. Mm. And the Big Sky Conference, its original charter members mostly are either flagship state universities or land-grant state universities. Right. The two schools in the league that are neither of those but also premier academic institutions are Cal Poly and UC Davis. Like Tim Walsh said, there's all sorts of guys that we can't even go shake hands with because right. we can't recruit them. Well, the only school that, that can make that same quote-unquote gripe is Davis. They're, they're the two highest academic institutions in the league. Uh, Cal Poly at number 24, UC Davis. Poly, again, coming off a, a tough overtime. I mean, we talk about, we've talked about this game a lot through the lens of Montana State, but through the lens of Cal Poly, you came all the way back Scored 21 points in the fourth quarter and then couldn't get it done in overtime. Got to be a deflating home loss against a really good team that you thought you had on the ropes a little bit. Nonetheless, to your point, 
Cal Poly, if they don't turn the ball over, it's almost always a one-score game or less. Uh, if they do turn the ball over, say, twice, they probably get avalanched um, with their, you know, the triple option that they run. This uh, game, 13.5-point favorite for UC Davis. Again, this game in Davis, California. This is a huge game, a monster game for the UC Davis Aggies. They got to have this game. If, if This game is to stay basically in the playoffs for UC Davis right here. I mean, this is this is one that, that, that they just have to figure out a way to win. Uh, but 13.5 points is a pretty big number, and I like Cal Poly a lot, what I've seen out of them uh, here in uh, in the early part of this season. Coulter, when you look at this game, what do you see? Two very different styles going up against each other. Well, I think Cal Poly is better than people are getting credit for, and I just really don't know what the status of UC Davis is in terms of injuries, in terms of mentality. I think there's a definitive obstacle you have to overcome when you're really good and better than people think you're going to be for an entire season, and then the next year you have super high expectations and then things aren't going as well. How do you rebound from that? We talked about it last week on this podcast. Davis never had to learn how to lose last year because they never really lost. And now they're having to figure out how do you bounce back. Three-game losing streak is a new is a new frontier for Dan Hawkins at UC Davis. They went five and six year one, but they did not lose three in a row. Totally. Here's, but here's the thing. Here's the thing to me about UC Davis and about Dan Hawkins. What's the barometer for UC Davis? The mirror, right? I mean, they, they win three in a row, lose three in a row, whatever. What are we doing and who are we and how can we get better each and every day in every possible way? Now, again, maybe it's not lip service. It's not lip service. It doesn't matter if you're getting better if you're just not as good as you were. I mean, it does matter that you're getting better, but but you can get 1% better each day and still not be as good as your opponents because you're just not as good as as, as they are, uh, or at least certainly not as good as you were a year ago, which is bearing out with UC Davis right now. Here's the question I have for you, Coulter, on this game, because you, you follow this stuff more than anybody. How good is Cal Poly defensively? Better. They're way better than they were. They have uh, – I mean, Matt Shotwell is one of the better linebackers in the league. People will recognize that name because he's the fourth shot well to play at Cal Poly. Mm. Uh, his oldest brother, uh, Kyle Shotwell, was the Buck Buchanan Award winner way back in 2005 when Rich Ellerson was still the head coach at Cal Poly. And Cal Poly had that ridiculous run where they had three straight players. You talk about the flex defense. Sadat Payam, who's the defensive coordinator at Portland State, he was the defensive coordinator for Rich Ellerson at Cal Poly for 10 years. They were running the flex at a higher level than anybody, and that flex player became a tackling machine. And Chris Gokong, Kyle Shotwell, Jordan Beck all won Buck Buchanan's three straight years mm. playing at an FCS Independent, which is an amazing run. That's never happened three straight from one school ever, let alone a team that doesn't even play in a conference. Matt Shotwell is like his brother. He's a tackling machine. He's a very good player. Cal Poly's defense, they run – for football nerds out there, they run a ton of what they call color in the hole. So they're going to twist. It's like a gap scheme, blocking scheme on offense, but the defensive version of that, when you're going against gap scheme offenses like Montana State, Idaho, you're going to get thrashed. When you're going against more traditional offenses like UC Davis, in terms of the run scheme stuff, you can really get ahead of it. And you can also create some pandemonium as well. I like Cal Poly to cover in this game. I, I kind of do too. Uh, Cal Poly, I, I think UC Davis wins this game. I think they win it because they they have to. 
and uh, and I think they win it uh, as a as a as a bounce back. But I think Cal Poly just traditionally plays close games and f- almost fourteen points. I would love it if it was fourteen and a half, thirteen and a half makes it tougher for sure. Um, but I I like Cal Poly to at least stay in this football game with UC Davis. They're better than people think, and I think UC Davis is is certainly starting to so, show uh, uh, some chinks in the armor. And so uh, I'll take you, I'll take Cal Poly as well to cover the over-under. This game is 63 points. I mean, this, this is one that I do not feel any confidence in. I could see 80 points scored in this game. I could see 40 points scored in this game. So I, I'm not sure what to think about the over-under other than it is the Big Sky Conference, and this is what they do. They all, they, they, It's a high-scoring conference. 63, though, is a big number, all, all things told. Yeah, I'm taking the under. I think Cal Poly will be able to take the possessions down. Again, if Cal Poly takes care of the ball, they're going to be a one-possession game, and they're going to be able to control the clock. And in this game particularly, that's exactly what they're going to try to do. So I think both teams will have limited possessions. Because I'm picking Cal Poly to cover, I want it to be a lower-scoring game. Probably needs to be a lower-scoring game in order for that to take place. I will also take the under uh, with you. Uh, That game, by the way, 5 o'clock kickoff uh, on the 11 sports game of the week. Next up. The Weber State Wildcats in the biggest spread in the Big Sky Conference this weekend. They host Southern Utah, another in-state semi-rivalry game. Not really, but it is an in-state opponent. Weber State, number four team in the land at home. 23.5-point favorite over Southern Utah. Uh, this game uh, on Pluto Television, channel 534 and 35, also on KJZZ. Uh, Coulter. Weaver State's going to win this football game. I feel very confident about this. The over-under on this is 58 points. I think Jay Hill's going to be very, very disappointed in the number of points that Weaver State gave up to Idaho last week, just in offense in general, but also in the special teams game. I think they're going to walk it up. So I'm going to start with this. I'm taking the under. 58 points is a significant number. Weber State, even though they scored 45, which is way above what they normally do, that's got to be good. Um, That was an anomalous game. I'm taking the under of 58 points. 23 and a half is a big enough number. It's really hard to say. I mean, they could dominate a team and we've seen this out of Weber State before. They've won games by 14 points, 17 points, 10 points that they dominated stem to stern but because they don't score a ton of points it doesn't look like that in the spread for them to win by three touchdowns and a field goal is a big ask even against Southern Utah so I'm 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 tenuous on this even though I expect Weber State to absolutely dominate this football game Weber State dominating a game doesn't mean that they win 49 to 7 there's an interesting factor here because Jay Hill is a guy that doesn't forget things when it comes to, especially when it comes to an in-state rivalry. The Weber State-Idaho State game has been pinned as the rivalry game for Weber for a long time, but since Southern Utah entered the league, it's been Southern Utah-Weber State. That's been the rivalry game. It's an in-state game. Sure. And Southern Utah, until the last two years, has been really good. Actually, they've been the team that Weber has been chasing in-state. In 2015 which was probably Southern Utah's best year since joining the Big Sky, they destroyed Weber State. They destroyed them 44-0. to And I remember talking to Coach Hill after that game. He said, this is the low point of our program. This will never happen again. Well, since then, they've split these games, but when Weber's had a chance to ro- roll it up, when Weber's had a chance to score, they have. And I think that now they're on the opposite side of the spectrum. you got Demario Warren in a rebuild at Southern Utah, and you have – Weber State rolling as the number four team in the country. Yeah, 
The year after 44 nothing, we were only one by one. The year after that, they lost, and then last year they only won by a field goal. They haven't had a chance to really go Roll. nuts against Southern Utah. I think that given the situation, given what happened last week, and given all the things that they want to get right, I think Weber is going to roll in this game. I'm taking Weber State to cover, and I'm even going to take the over. Ooh, look at you. Uh, I'm going to go. So Here's the thing. Weber State's really good, okay? Southern Utah's terrible. They're 1-5. They're 0-2 in conference. They're not competitive. And they lost, what did they lose by 17 last week to Portland State? So I I don't I, I really don't know what to do. You're taking Weber State. You may have talked me into this one in terms of the over uh on it at twenty three and a half points. Why not? Let's give it to Weber to uh to roll in this one and uh and uh and beat Southern Utah by by a lot. Ah You know what, Coulter, I'm not gonna let you do this to me. <laughs> give me Southern Utah. We got to be different on some of these. We can't pick them all the same. I'm going to take Southern Utah to lose by 23, 25 to two. Final score. Okay. It is a tough line because Weber State really could just straight win that game, 21 nothing. I mean, Coulter. So Coulter, 24 to three. This might be the first game of the year where we're both where we're going against each other, both in terms of the spread and the total. So you got the under. Uh, or you got the over. Excuse me, in Weber State covering. I, I got the under and and Southern Utah. Uh, okay, last game of the weekend uh, in uh, the Big Sky Conference, and this is a this is a, a game that you and I are going to be at, Coulter, and this is a game that is intriguing as it gets, particularly for you know a week three of the conference schedule. Sacramento State, who has absolutely been outstanding so far this year overall, goes to the sixth-ranked team in the country, Montana State. Sacramento State, by the way, still unranked the FCS Top 25, but Coulter who I would trust a lot more on this, has them at 13 in the country uh, in uh, in their Stats FCS poll. Yes, David. Sac State is getting so many votes, they're essentially number 26. Yeah, they're the first team not in the top 25. That's correct. Um, I expect that to change this weekend, even if they lose, because I think people will respect what they've done, uh, much like uh, you know losing a close one or a relatively close game to uh, to to a South Dakota State or a North Dakota State, you could go up. I think if Sacramento State loses this football game, it's still going to be a really good football game. I think they get into the top 25 ultimately. Um, Jeff Choate this week, Coulter, was uh, so very aware of how good Sacramento State is and trying to convey that to your team and who they are while also trying to fix the obvious elephant in the room that they have at quarterback uh which is not they're not fixing that i mean it's not getting fixed that's that much is obvious so the question is does it matter because they are just rolling everybody on the ground they're playing great defense this is a homecoming game for montana state this is a huge game i think if jeff choate had to choose he would pick almost any team other than sacramento state for it to be that they ended up playing against but this is the way the the cookie crumbles this year and troy taylor has it rolling as the first-year head coach there at Sacramento State, and Kevin Thompson has been absolutely phenomenal as a quarterback for uh, Sac State this year. Uh, and Sac- uh, Sacramento State, the only team, by the way, that is undefeated against the spread in the Big Sky Conference, 4-0 on this season against the number. This I can't wait for this football game. This is going to be a great game. Uh, obviously, two pretty different styles, all things considered. 
Uh, it's always going to be a different style when Montana State is p- one of the two teams playing because nobody does what Montana State does because uh, they don't have to. But Montana State's great at what they do do. One and a half point favorite for the Cats. Where are you at? The return of Greg Munchie Filer to the lineup can't be understated. It's going to change Montana State's whole defense because they've been running a bunch of coverage principles on the back end that is not actually what they want to do in terms of their scheme. Getting Munchie Filer back lets them play man on the outside because he can actually straight up guard the number one. If he's going to guard the number one, then that means Tyrell Thomas can guard the number two. And Tyrell Thomas has been overmatched against the number one this year sometimes, but he's plenty good enough to guard the number two. And all of a sudden, he becomes a very good player rather than an average player because of the matchup alone. I also think that playing the man coverage stuff means that Braden Conkle and Jacque Allen don't have to help as much, so they can be more diverse in what they do at the safety spots. So just the return of this one guy can really – I mean, if you have been watching Montana State, I think everybody knows their, off, their, their defense is good. But if you really know the ins and outs and the personnel and everything, I think you'd, you would – it's safe to say you would say this defense has not played as well as they could play. They've been really good. They have not been lights out elite yet. It's because they're missing their number one corner. That Him coming back could help them take that next step. And on the other side of the ball – I'll believe somebody can stop Montana State's run game when they do. I mean, they're just—I mean, they have six guys that have rushed for over a hundred yards. Put them back there, give them the ball. It doesn't matter if it's Lane Sumner or Shane Perry, who are partial and/or walk-on players and young players at that. I think Isaiah Fonse will be a, a week better, a week more healthy. Troy Anderson, maybe we'll see if he's a week better, a week more healthy. We'll see. But Logan Jones will be a week better, a week more healthy after having a little bit of a shoulder ding a couple weeks back. I just think Montana State's going to be able to run the ball with authority. I think the return of Munchie Filer will help them at least mitigate what Sac State. I think Sac State will score a bunch of points. Not a bunch. I think Sac State will be able to operate on offense at an okay level, but I think that Montana State will be able to control the line of scrimmage on both sides, be able to control the clock on both sides. I got the cats to cover. Um, I'll start with the only thing that I'm if – I, if I have a feeling about this game, it's about the total. I'm taking the under in this football game. 57.5 is the number. Uh, I think Montana State – their defense is outstanding and as good as Sacramento State has been. Uh, I think Montana State will will keep them under their you know season average. And also, Sacramento State, are you ready? The number one scoring and the number one total defense in the Big Sky Conference. I mean, this is a great defense. So you said you'll believe it when you see it. Well, I think you might see it at least in part on Saturday. It's certainly not going to be the knife through butter uh probably that the way it's been uh, for Montana State I also think this I think that uh, teams have uh, heretofore had to at least give a a little bit of respect to the possibility of throwing the football I think that Sacramento State goes straight man coverage across the board no matter what happens and loads the box every single time every single time and that doesn't mean that Montana State won't be able to run the football they will be okay i'm not saying that but what i am saying is it's going to be at least a little more resistance you know Maybe. than 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 what it's been the, the the i'm only saying this in regards to the over under oh, i think totally. it's going to be a little totally. lower scoring game you want to know who's the 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 number one player that no person in the state or the conference or the country's talking about that's playing for real 45 to 50 plays a game who is such a huge difference maker for montana state R.J. Fitzgerald. Who is that? Fullback. Fullback. Out of Dillon, Montana. He has yeah. not touched the ball. He won't touch the ball. Just plow on the road. 
they play him at this H where they move him around. And so if you stack the box, he finds the extra guy. And it's just his job to just wreck that guy's life. Yeah. And and he's he's I mean he's about five nine, two hundred and thirty pounds. He's a stellar special teams player. I mean he's He's performing so well that Jeff Choate sent him to media. Jeff Choate now picks the four guys that are yeah. going to do interviews. He yeah. sent him to media this week because he said, hey, somebody write about this kid because you all just want the guys who catch it and run it. Yeah. This guy's in on almost every play. Let's talk to him. So it'll be interesting to see the chess match because if Sac State does stack the box, which I agree, then Montana State, they have a lot of unsung guys that we're not talking about. We've even talked about their offensive line more than probably any offensive line in the league, deservedly so. But guys like Ryan Davis – who's their number one tight end, Derek Snell, who's kind of their hybrid H-back type guy, and then R.J. Fitzgerald, who's their fullback H-back type of guy. They could put those three guys on the field at the same time. And they have those three guys on the field plus the offensive line. Now you're talking about you put eight in the box, you put nine in the box. Well, we got ten in the box. Mm -hmm. We'll just stand Lance McCutcheon up here as a decoy. Who cares? And they still can operate against stacked boxes. That's the brilliance of Montana State's run game. Why wouldn't they just do it? Like, just do 11 dudes, snap it to Travis Johnson. You got 10 blockers, and Travis Johnson run the football. They do do that. I mean, that's. that's they do that sometimes. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, here's the thing the one other thing that's the biggest X factor in this game is, without question, the health of Troy Anderson. And Troy Anderson played defensively, did not have a touch offensively. I think he he didn't have a touch offensively last week against Cal Poly for the first time in in the last two years since he was a quarterback. And this year, any game that he has played, he has at least registered a carry, multiple carries in an offensive game. I do not believe he had a rush in that football game against Cal Poly. And uh, he did play defensively. Presumably, it's homecoming that he is going to be out there. But he has never, he has not had a single game yet where he has been. Uh, right where he has been healthy obviously had a game that he didn't even you know that he was out of uh, as well this season what he is and what he's able to do is going to be a major major factor in in how this game goes to me uh, I have a tremendous amount of respect for for Sacramento State and what they're doing you aren't until you aren't and right now Montana State is and what they do defensively and what they are on the offensive line uh, I think you know, they win this football game. I think it's a close football game, but, you know, Montana State wins by three. They cover. I'll take the Cats to win it. I'm still taking the under on this one. I think there's also a funny misperception about the Cats and the fact that they can't throw the ball on the ground and pound that they run and how they want to control the clock. They're averaging 40 points per game against FCS opponents this year. They are averaging 36 points per game against FCS opponents since Matt Miller took over as the offensive coordinator a year ago with six games left to play. So you have – what amounts to an 11-game sample size. In those 11 games, they've scored 36 or more points seven times. So this team can score, even if they're not doing it by throwing bombs. When you look at the scoring statistics right now in the league, I mean, Montana State and Sacramento State are 2-3 and three in conference games in scoring offense behind only the University of Montana. So these two teams can score. And I agree with the notion that Montana State is going to try to control the clock and keep the score down. But I'm still taking the over. I mean, these two teams are averaging 48 and 42 points per game, respectively, in conference play. So even if they just hit their averages, you're at 90, which is almost twice what the over is. I'm taking the over. They're not. They're not going to hit their averages against each other. They're not. But even if they fall a couple touchdowns short, we'll see. We'll be sitting there eating the salad next to each other in the press box, talking about this football game as it goes. So let's say, let's say points. they each score two less touchdowns than what they're averaging. They still hit the over by four and a half points. It's okay. I got the under. Okay. 
I'll still take Montana State to win this game. Two o'clock kickoff, Mountain Standard Time, available on SWX Montana Television and Pluto Channel 538. University of Montana, Northern Arizona on a bye this week. Uh, they are out. Okay, Coulter, it's time to look at take a look at some FCS national games outside of the Big Sky Conference. And for this, we try and get some insight for you from some people who actually cover these teams to uh, give you some information, help you out a little bit. So uh, the FCS national game of the week, at least one of them, North Dakota State hosting Northern Iowa. The Bison, a 21.5-point favorite. For that, we will have Sam Herter from Hero Sports on. Southern, uh, South Dakota State is playing Youngstown State. They are in Ohio to play Youngstown State. Uh, the seven-point favorite for the number three team uh, in the country, the SDSU Jackrabbits. We will have Joe Simon from the Tribune Chronicle in Ohio. He covers Youngstown State to talk about that game. And then, to me, the biggest game in the country, number five, Villanova, at number two, James Madison. James Madison, a nine-and-a-half-point home favorite, and Greg Medea from the Daily News Record in Harrisonburg, Virginia. He covers James Madison. He joined us as well. Here's the deal. You're just getting answers to these four questions and a pick. Okay, We asked each one of these guys the same question about each of these games and the teams that they cover. They are as follows. First, what do people need to know about the team that you cover? How do they match up against the team that they're playing? That's question number two. What is the coach like, the culture, what are, you know, all that stuff, you know, what is the coach up to at that school? And then lastly, what do we need to know about the team? Is there injuries? What type of style do they play and all that? So we, those are the four questions that were asked to each of these three guys. And then of course, they got to make a pick for us, tell who it is. So here we go in order. Sam, Sam Herter of Hero Sports, Joe Simon from the Tribune Chronicle in Ohio covering Youngstown State, and Greg Medea from the Daily News Record in Harrisonburg, Virginia covering James Madison. Let's go to the phones now and hear first from Sam Herter of Hero Sports. There are two pretty physical teams. They, they, um, this game is usually a battle in the trenches between two physical teams and you know I think defensively both teams are really strong they pride themselves in stopping the run and offensively I think is where the difference is at NDSU is looking really good offensively meanwhile Northern Iowa has had its offensive struggles and have been a little bit inconsistent so I think for the most part these teams kind of mirror each other they play the physical brand of football they play tough defense but offensively NDSU is looking a lot more explosive to start this season. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because NDSU's coaching staff has a has quite a bit of uh, ties uh, to Northern Iowa and to the city. Uh, uh, Coach Entz, uh he grew up in the in the Waterloo area, um, and also David Braun, uh, the defensive coordinator for NDSU, came over from Northern Iowa. So, so there's a lot of crossovers. Um, you know, Coach Farley, the head coach at Northern Iowa. Um, you know, he's kind of a, a pretty stoic character, but, but he certainly preaches a physical brand of football. And with Matt Entz and his new coaching staff, they, they seem to be, I, I wouldn't call them more of a risk taker uh, than, than Chris Kleiman and his previous staff, but they seem to, to roll the dice uh, maybe a little bit more. So I think it's, uh, it's two coaching staffs that know each other quite well. And, and these two teams play each other every year and you know, we're obviously pretty comfortable in trying to stop each other. So it's it's always a, a pretty unique matchup to see what the game plans are and then also also to see what the in-game adjustments are like. Yeah, I think the, the edge right now goes to NDSU's offense. I think UNI's defense is strong this year. They really 
really every year UNI's defense is pretty strong. Last year's game against NDSU was was a bit of a weird one when they gave up 50-some points, but I think so far Northern Iowa's defense is looking strong, and NDSU's defense is always strong. And, you know, like like I said earlier, the, the edge right now goes to NDSU's offense because Northern Iowa offensively is just is struggling a little bit. And, you know, they've kind of been up and down, and NDSU's offense is playing at a much higher level than I expected. And I think Northern Iowa can maybe give NDSU a little bit of trouble because Northern Iowa's defensive front is pretty strong. At the same time, last week, I thought Illinois State's defensive front was strong, and NDSU really manhandled them. So I think they both stack up pretty well in the trenches, but we'll have to see if that actually, if that actually happens in the game because NDSU has really been rolling lately. Um, you know, I'm trying to think off off the top of my head. You know, I, I think one thing to note is it, it's kind of been a switch in styles offensively for Northern Iowa. The, the last few years, their their starting quarterback's name is Eli Dunn, and um, you know, he was a six foot five pocket passer, and, and NDSU really got to him quite a bit, and that was kind of you and I's downfall against NDSU these last few years was was having a a quarterback that couldn't escape pressure this year. It's kind of the opposite. Their they're starting quarterback is a young guy, Will McIlvain. I think he's only they, they list him at five foot eleven. He might be closer to five foot ten, honestly. But he's a guy that he has a pretty good arm. But obviously, he can scramble and, and get out of pressure. So I think that's one thing to keep an eye on. Is in past games against Northern Iowa, NDSU has really, really brought the heat because they know if they can pressure Eli Dunn, kind of a statue back there in the pocket, that you know he's not going to escape that pressure. This year, we'll see what kind of blitzes. And what kind of pressure NDSU can 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 bring on Northern Iowa because they know their quarterback this year can escape the pocket. So, so that, that's a matchup I'm interested in watching. I, I think you will see more than 40 points. Uh, I'm I'm pretty comfortable, uh, you know, taking the over on total points. Uh, you know, like I said, Northern Iowa's offense isn't looking the greatest greatest this year, but I think they can maybe pop pop some big plays. And NDSU's offense is on a roll, and, and I think. The Bison can score anywhere from 28 to 31 points on Northern Iowa. And, you know, that just leaves you and I only needing to score a couple times to, to hit the, the overall with total points. The line is interesting. You know, last week I thought 14 points against Illinois State was too much, and I ended up being dead wrong on that. 21 points feels like a lot uh, against the Northern Iowa team. That, that always plays this team tough. So, you know, that, that's one line I, I probably won't touch just because it seems like a lot. Uh, but at the same time, NDSU has been rolling so well these last few weeks that, you know, it's hard to, to really bet against NDSU, I would say. Great stuff, Sam. Appreciate that. And now, Greg Medea of the Daily News Record, who covers James Madison University. I think first and foremost is that they're going to want to run the football. You look at the last two weeks for JMU, and they've run for more than 300 yards in each of the past two weeks. It's been a, a real commitment and effort to run the football. Kurt Signetti, he's kind of building off of what Mike Houston established the past couple of years in Harrisonburg, and you see what they've done, and they, they're doing it with a veteran offensive line. They came back this year, if, if you look at the amount of starts that the projected starting offensive line had entering this year, uh, 86 career combined starts between the five of them, which is an outstanding number uh, for an offensive line. And you look at that group, and they, they've just been terrific this season. And, and it's really made JMU uh, what they are offensively. And then you have a couple of different running backs. They, they pretty much go with a trio 
in a rotation of Jawan Hamilton, a former starter at Central Florida, Percy at Jay Obisay, and Solomon Van Horse. And they, they've been very good for JMU on offense. And then on defense, you look, starts with their defensive line, just like it does on offense. It starts with the front uh, between their, their four down linemen, Mike Green, Adiba Tarawa, John Daka, and Rondell Carter. That what, that's what kind of sets the tone. JMU leads the CAA in rushing defense. So I think those are the kind of the things you need to know is that JMU is going to try to win the game up front uh, with its offensive and defensive line. Yeah, it, it's interesting because Villanova runs that three-three-five stack that a couple of teams in the Colonial do. And JMU, it, it's kind of a unique defense to, to, to really college football. Uh, but JMU saw it two weeks ago against Elon, and, and Kurt Signetti had a great plan for it. Uh, they ran for 336 yards against the Phoenix. So I think they'll take a lot of what they did against Elon and try to see if it works this Saturday against Villanova. I think you look at the way the Wildcats stack up, and their defense has been very good, second in the, in the CAA for rush defense coming into Saturday. Uh, but you look at that defense, and, and maybe there are some ways, Jim, you can expose that 3-3-5 that Villanova runs. I know Kirk Signetti, he had said, because the staff at JMU has so much experience with it, uh, Damian Roblevsky, the offensive line coach, uh, because they were all at Elon the last couple of years, uh, they've been able to carry a really good game plan into the next couple of, into, into games against the 3-3-5 stack. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if JMU can, can match it up and make it work against Villanova. When you look at, at Kurt Signetti, he, he's a guy that's going to just do whatever it takes to win a football game. Uh, I, I think when, when you look at JMU uh, and you look at the, the coach, Kurt Signetti, they've had some opportunities to, to score uh, and really win by a wide margin on, on people. But uh, he, he's opted not to because he, he wants to get younger guys playing time. But I think when it comes necessary to it, all, all he wants to do is get out with a win no matter how it looks. Yeah, I think with Villanova, the big one to watch out for is the running back, Justin Covington. Came out of the game last week. They had at William & Mary early with, with a lower leg injury, uh, according to Mark Ferrante, their head coach. Uh, and he, He's, I think, going to be a, a decision later in the week. Uh, so that's something to pay attention to. Covington, uh, leading rusher in the CAA, and then he kind of helped stabilize that offense. I know they have the good quarterback transfer in Daniel Smith, and he's been phenomenal. Uh, coming in from Campbell University. But, uh, you know, a, a good quarterback, uh, his best friend is a good running back and then takes to take some pressure off of him. Uh, so that'll be something to watch going into Saturday. I think I think the other thing with JMU, too, is uh, they have to clean up the turnovers. They've fumbled 14 times this season, uh, lost seven of those fumbles, uh, including a couple of last week uh, in, in, the, in the win over Stony Brook in a game that went to overtime. If JMU turns the ball over against this Villanova team, this team is just too talented and, and probably could make JMU pay if, if they turn the ball over as much as they did uh, like like last week at Stony Brook. Yeah, I, I think JMU will win the game. I, I they, They've covered, I think, when if, if I look back at the spreads the past couple of weeks, they've covered all but last week. Uh, so if you're going to take JMU to cover it, it's probably a, probably a pretty good bet. Not that I'm a betting expert or anything. Yeah, you can follow me on, on Twitter at Medea underscore DNR Sports. And you can read all the Daily News record coverage of, of James Madison football, uh, dnronline.com. Uh, and you can find all the stories we, we've had this, this season and from forever on James Madison football. Great stuff. Thanks, Greg. We appreciate that. And now our final guest of the day, Joe Simon of the Tribune Chronicle covering Youngstown State. Well, let's start with South Dakota State. 
They're uh, they're 4-1. Their only loss is to Minnesota, obviously a a Big Ten school. Uh, They've won fairly handily uh, in in their other four contests. They were losing to unranked Southern Illinois last week before scoring 19 unanswered points in the second half. Uh, Their defense is one of the best in the nation. Uh, They've got a couple different uh, standout players on defense, but the one who really kind of sets a tone is is a, a senior named Christian Rosaboom, I think that's how you pronounce it at least. He's a senior linebacker, 6'2", 230, uh, All-American, and he's uh, he's really good in coverage. He I think eight interceptions in his career, two already this season. And uh, you know he's good against the run. He can he can play the uh, be a pass rusher. He can do a lot of things. Uh, for Youngstown State, uh, they're also a defensive oriented team. Uh, you know they they had been running the ball at you know at a level that was one of the highest marks in the FCS going into last weekend. But they faced a good Northern Iowa team, got held to 55 yards rushing. So they need to get that part of their game going again if they're going to compete with the team ranked number three in the FCS, who's number 17. So it's an intriguing matchup. Two defensive-oriented teams playing in a in a marquee game that both you know need. And I think YSU needs a little bit more than South Dakota State does. You know, South Dakota State's coach is is one of the better coaches you're going to see. He's in his 23rd season at South Dakota State. His name is John Stiegelmeyer. He's a has a record of 162 and 101, and he's had Youngstown State's number since he's been there. Uh, I know he's won nine of the last 11 contests that they've played, and he's a he's a kind of coach. He, he likes trick plays. He likes to do a lot of different things with his offense, in different formations and. And uh, you know, just just things that catch teams off guard. Um, you know, Bo Pelini is, you know, a very fiery, bold coach. I guess is is a tame way to put it. Um, but he's an X's and O's guy. He knows the game inside and out. He's known as a defensive guy. Uh, you know, coached some uh, defenses in secondaries in the NFL and was defense coordinator at some major college programs such as Oklahoma and Nebraska and uh, LSU. You know, he's been around, and he knows the game inside and out. Uh, you know, he, his temper gets the best of him sometimes. And but you know, when it comes down to football, you couldn't ask for a better exes than those guy. Uh, he's 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 fun to talk to when it comes to that kind of stuff. He can really break stuff down for you uh, in the uh, in when you're doing an interview or something along those lines. But uh, you know, again, sometimes his temper gets the best of him on the sideline, leads to penalties, and uh, you know, sometimes I can filter into the players. You know, why she was one of the more how they penalize teams going into their uh, week three. They've cut down on the last two games. Um, but, you know, you don't want an un- undisciplined team in, in a close game because that will cost you. You know, it's 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 an interesting, interesting matchup because they're, they're similar. Uh, you know, South Dakota State, for years, they had a quarterback named Taron Christian, and he, was, he, he could spread the ball around. He threw it around to a couple guys who are in the NFL now. Uh, one of them is t- a tight end for the Eagles, Dallas Goder. And uh, he was a heck of a player for him. Another kid named Jake Weinick, he was a great receiver for him. And, you know, they put up 30, 40 points a game throwing the ball around. Now they're a run-oriented team. They have a running back uh, named Pierre Strong. He's a sophomore, uh, up-and-coming kid who I think is, is going to become one of the better running backs in the FCS by the time his uh, career is over. And they like to run the ball a lot. They have a, a freshman quarterback, a tr- uh, excuse me, a Redshirt freshman quarterbacks who are kind of protecting. You know, you don't want to throw too much at them. 
So uh, they, they do have a good receiver. Uh, they like to run the ball, run the ball, and then they'll hit this Kate Johnson. Kate Johnson, the junior All-American uh, receiver for them. He's only about 5'10", uh, 180 pounds, but he's got great speed and great hands. Uh, so, you know, that, that's their style. And, uh, you know, they, they used to be that way years ago before Taryn Christian came in the mix, and now they're getting back to it. And, uh, you know, that they rely on their defense and they rely on the running game, which is always a good uh, recipe for success. And Youngstown State is very similar. You know, when when the when things are working, they're a run first team. Uh, they have a, a let us three or four guys they like to give the ball to. And it, for the first four games of the season, uh, they did very well with that. And I, I think the biggest matchup for me is up front in this game because YSU has a good offensive line, and South Dakota State has a good defensive front front seven really. And that matchup is going to be big. You know, if you flop it around. Youngstown State's defensive line is, I think, one of the better ones in the FCS. they got a couple of stars on that D-line, and uh, they're going up against the South Dakota State offensive line that averages almost six foot six and 315 pounds, which is pretty enormous for any offensive line. Uh, so that's the matchup that intrigues me the most is up front. You know, skill players are fun and all that, but they're not going anywhere if there's not any blocking. Yeah, the quarterback for Youngstown State, Nathan Mays, a uh, fifth-year senior, uh, kind of a dual-threat guy. He in, was injured last week against Northern Iowa in the fourth quarter. They showed him on crutches, uh, you know, a little bit after that. Uh, I don't know how severe the injury is. Uh, you know, Coach Pliny, as any coach is going to do, he's not going to tell you a whole lot about it. He doesn't want to get him out to the other team. So it's hard to know if he's going to play in this game. Uh, he's He's been injury-prone over the years, unfortunately. Um but it's a big loss if he can't play because he's he's the savvy veteran who can calm the team down, and he just has a little swagger about him where you know you feel like the offense is going to run smoothly when he's in there. And, and you know, without him, they have a kid named Joe Craycraft who was in a little bit of a quarterback competition with Mays heading into uh, fall camp. Mays ended up beating him out. Craycraft is a little bit more of a passing quarterback, sit in the pocket and, and find guys, uh, you know, sort of spread the ball around. But he's a young kid. He's only a sophomore, and this is a big game. You don't want him going up against the number three ranked team in the nation if you can avoid it. Uh, so that's the biggest thing to watch, uh, and I think, for either team. Because from my understanding, South Dakota State is fairly healthy. Now, I'm sure they're a little banged up midway through the season. But, uh, you know, the starting quarterback for YSU, you know, not playing would be a, a huge loss. Yeah, you know, we are at www.trib.com. Today.com, and I'm also on Twitter, AP Styles with a Z on it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on there quite a bit talking YSU football, SCS football, and pretty much all kinds of football. All right. Our thanks to those guys. It's great information, very helpful, good insight. Good job by David to get those guys tracked down and uh, get their information uh, for all of us in here. Coulter, now it's time for you and I to make our picks on these big games. North Dakota State, 21 and a half point home favorite over Northern Iowa. Uh, I'm taking the Bison to win this game and to cover. I really like Northern Iowa. I know it's another top 10 game, but it is at home in the, uh, in the Fargo Dome for NDSU. 21 and a half points. They just continue to roll. They beat the number 10 team in the nation last week. Granted, not as good a team, but on the road by 35. So I got NDSU winning this thing. And uh, I will take, by the way, the over, over under in this game, 40 points. I mean, it is a very low number when the spread is so big. So I'll take the over at 40, and I will take NDSU to cover. North Coast State has lost eight times since the beginning of the 2011 season. Total. 
Three of those are coming against Northern Iowa. I know there's new personnel, but it's the same coaching staff. Mark Farley, he gets his team to believe against North Dakota State more than any other team. And I think that the attitude that Northern Northern Iowa plays with, I think North Dakota State's going to win this game, but I think Northern Iowa's going to cover. Okay. I also think that over under a 40 in a college football game, even if it's a Missouri Valley game involving North Dakota State, is an insane number. I'm taking the over of a 40-point over every single time in college football. South Dakota State is at Youngstown State. Uh, Youngstown State uh, losing last weekend. Who did they lose to? The number 18 team is 18-19 matchup. It might have been Northern Iowa. They lost I- to South Dakota State. Oh, South Dakota. No, no, no. They're oh, no, no. Southern South Iowa. Excuse, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, Youngstown State lost to Northern Iowa. To Northern Iowa. Okay, it was Northern Iowa. Uh, by seven points last week. They get South Dakota State this week. It's a home game. This is my market, David, lock of the week. I got South Dakota State covering this spread. South Dakota State is the number three team in the nation, and they are on the top tier. Uh, they, there's a clear separation to me of the top three in the FCS right now with S- NDSU, James Madison, and SDSU. Youngstown State... They're a good team, uh, and they they you know play a grinded out kind of a low scoring style of football. Uh, SDSU is just better. The only thing I don't know about this game is what the weather is going to be like there in Youngstown. It can get weird in Youngstown, Ohio, in October. Uh, but no, South Dakota State is just a much better team than just about everybody in the country, including Youngstown State. I know Bopolino. Okay, okay, okay. It's fine. I got SDSU covering this game. So do I. Okay. Uh, total 51 points. Where you at on that? Under. Okay. Coulter's going the under. I'm only going the under because Coulter went the under. I'm also lock of the week taking uh, Youngstown State to cover this thing, as is Coulter. Last game. Youngstown State South or Dakota South Dakota State. State? Sorry. South Dakota State. I mean, everybody's a state. Isn't so it? you're laying the seven. Laying the seven. Give me Youngstown State to win by, Youngstown I don't know. Youngstown State or South Dakota State. Yep, 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 yep. Never going to get it right. You know, I which, thought the thing, I thought, I thought the helpful pill. I'm taking South Dakota State, the number three team, the team that is favored to win by a lot over Youngstown State. And you're laying the seven. Laying the seven. I have to. That's the number. Well, you, you don't know which team you're taking. I know. So. It makes it harder, doesn't it? So I can go back and say, yeah, I had that. Exactly. South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits. That's my lock of the week. Uh, la- that game, by the way, on uh, ESPN+. Plus. The matchup of the week in the FCS, number five, Villanova, at number two, James Madison. James Madison, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite over Villanova. Villanova, one of the only two undefeated, actually undefeated teams. They are 6-0 and on the season. James Madison, 5-1. and Both these teams outstanding against the spread. James Madison, 4-1-1. and Villanova, 5-1. and Something's got to give in this football game. Uh, James Madison, a number two team in the nation. Uh, they are a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, Coulter. We heard from Greg Medea. What do you think? Now, he's biased. He's covering James Madison, so give in to everything he said, you know? Um, it's really interesting looking at all the Twitter banter and Twitter debate of everybody's polls. Everybody that votes in this top 25 poll thinks that they got it right. I think everybody lets their human bias infiltrate their opinions. I fully admit it. I think the Big Sky is just better than all the rest of the leagues in the country, except for probably the Colonial Athletic Association. I think the top, I think the top three in the Missouri Valley is right on par with the Big Sky, but I think the Big Sky is a deeper league. But there's a whole bunch of voters out there that think James Madison is the best team in the country. 
Last year, North Dakota State was getting 155 out of 155 first place votes. Yeah. This year, James Madison has been getting a couple dozen every week. So I think that that means they're, they're the real deal. Um, Villanova has been the most impressive team in the country against FCS opponents. They haven't played an FBS right. yet. But I still think that James Madison is the only team that's as talented as North Dakota State in the country. I'm going to take James Madison, and I am going to take the over. James Madison, uh, their one loss was the first week at West Virginia, 22-13. Seven-point game uh, against uh, a Big 12 school uh, on the road there in Morgantown. Since then, they've won 44-7, 63-12, 37-14, 45-10, 45-38 last week against Stony Brook. That was their closest game. Give me James Madison. I think Villanova's great. I really like Villanova and the fact that they're undefeated. They have been in you know, impressive this season as well, uh, obviously. But they got an overtime victory in uh, in week one against William and Mary. They've been rolling pretty much since then. Some some big big wins, including over Lehigh, forty four seven last week. But I think this is where the first loss comes, and I think James Madison they can win by ten points in this football game. So I'm with you. I'll take James Madison to cover this thing, uh, and I will take the over as well with you. All right, Coulter, that's it for the FCS stuff. Let's do. Oh, no. It Villana- isn't. Villanova it isn't. went to overtime with William and Mary last week. Not oh, it was week last long. week that they went. Okay, I was reading the wrong order. Yeah, yeah. Last week they went. Lehigh, they won early uh, in the season, I guess. Uh, thank you, uh, uh, David. And then we got one more game. We're going to provide more insight on this matchup than anyone else in the country. West Georgia versus North Greenville. This game being played in Tigerville, South Carolina. But North Greenville is called the Crusaders. How ironic a deal is that? Uh, okay, North Greenville, uh, the spread is a pick'em. So uh, you know, if you're if you're asking me Georgia versus South Carolina, I take Georgia. I got West Georgia winning this football game on the road against North Greenville. Give me uh, whatever. What is what is West Georgia? Do we even know what their mascot is? The West Georgia Peaches. They're the Wolves. Okay, the Wolves. Okay, are there Wolves in Georgia? Not that I know of. My dad saw a wolf yesterday up at his property. Where's that? Just around the corner, up the hill, up Evero Hill, right here outside of Missoula. It's where we do the podcast, people, if you're not, uh, you know, paying attention, if you don't know. That's why we're so big sky heavy. All right, uh, West Georgia, Coulter, that's who I'm taking. This should be my lock of the week. Didn't even know these two were schools. No. I got North Greenville at home because they're at home. That's it. Okay. That's all oh, I know. It's over all under 46 and a half. It's over. a relatively low number. Over. Always bet Always the over. over. Okay. Uh, last. You guys should bet something between the two of you. Now, you, what do you owe me? You owe me $20, $20 bar tab. Yep, and lunch. And lunch. Yep. Great. Uh, well, yeah, let's add to it. Here we go. Uh, it's time to finish off. Episode 3 of the FCS Speculators Podcast with FBS Rapid Fire. Three games, the FBS lever level. David, why don't you give them to us? Let's set these up for us, these three games. We're going to pick them rapid fire. All right, first we got the side of College Game Day, ESPN's College Game Day, number 7 Florida at number 5 LSU in Baton Rouge. LSU is minus 13. Uh, this is insane to me. I love LSU love them and it is going to be a frenzy in the Bayou and Death Valley with game day being there an evening game six o'clock mountain at seven o'clock local time believe me it is going to be flowing in Death Valley on Saturday night I cannot wait for this football game 
But you're telling me that the Florida Gators, the number seven team that just hammered Auburn and has one of the best defenses, by, you know, easily in the country, is a nearly two touchdown underdog? No, I got LSU winning this football game. I don't know what the over-under is. I'm taking the under, and I got Florida covering the 13 points. They are really good, but two touchdowns is craziness to me in this football game unless unless Death Valley happens the way it can and the team gets rolling and LSU just goes boggers. I think LSU is going to win this game. I have this like a four-point, maybe a seven-point game at most. Guess what? You're taking the Tigers. I'm going to watch this game. No. Oh yeah! You know the irony of this? It's my it's my uh, uh, anniversary weekend. Mm. I probably won't be watching this game. Mm. I know. It's Great. okay. I think I'm probably going to do okay for myself. Congrats on the sex early. Thank you. Appreciate that. Looking forward to it. Presumptuous. <laughs> yeah, I could still mess it up. I could say uh, something bad at dinner chance. and it goes. Uh, LSU taking them. I'm taking Tigers to cover. Okay. Colt just got LSU. Go ahead. All right, we move on to the actual game of the week. It's happening in Dallas, Oklahoma versus Texas, the Red River Red River rivalry. Now, let's stop right here. I've been I've been going back and forth. Everybody's calling this the Red River Showdown. I've always wanted to call it the Red River Rivalry. I mean, my God, it's three R's. But yeah. it, but people are saying no, no, it's the Red River Showdown. It's the Red River Rivalry. Okay. Uh, it's at, it up. at the Cotton Bowl in uh, in Dallas. Oklahoma, Texas. Texas, the number 11 team in the country. Oklahoma, the number 6 team in the country. Texas, an 11-point underdog in this football game. Uh, Texas won this game by three a year ago. Dicker the kicker. (sighs) Dude, rivalry games are so weird. I think Oklahoma is the better team. I think Oklahoma wins it, but 11 is a big number. You know Texas is going to be into this football game. Jalen Hurts, impressive. Throwing the football, too. Uh, I'm going to take Texas to cover this thing up. I, again, I like Oklahoma to win it, but I think Texas is an 11-point dog. I'll take the Longhorns. Hook them. Coulter? Not betting against Lincoln Riley. I got Oklahoma. Okay. All right. If you want to watch what's, that What's one. my guy? Who's my guy at Texas who I didn't know and now I like? Sam Ellington. Sam Elling- Ellinger. Ellinger. It's Ellinger. Ellinger. Yeah. Who's Sam Ellington? He's either running back for the Cardinals. Ellington. I don't know. Only you who plays fantasy football yeah. with 17 flex positions and PPR yeah. rules knows yeah. that kind of irrelevant player. Okay. Sam Ellinger. I don't think Sam Ellington is on the Cardinals. Ellinger. No. There, there is an Ellington. Wayne Ellington, North Carolina. Okay. Third game. All right. That game's on Fox at 10 a.m. if you want to watch it. Um Last game, Pac-12 after dark, 9 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, Washington at Arizona. Arizona is a six-and-a-half-point underdog. First of all, hey, Huskies, what in the actual hell? Losing to the hapless Stanford Cardinal last week. I mean... Hapless? You clearly don't watch FBS football to question that use of that adjective in that sentence. I mean, come on. Stanford's awful, awful this year. And Washington lost to them. It's a bounce-back week. The Dogs, six-and-a-half-point favorites. They're going to win by seven or more. Arizona, nah. Not into it with the Arizona Wildcats. Give me the Washington Huskies. Uh, Unless they just kick in the tent pegs and shut the circus down early, I'll take Washington to uh, win this game and uh, cover the spread. There's no one that's actually going to listen to this point in the podcast. I got the Huskies. 
If you're looking for us on the social meds, at Gus Tutel on uh, Twitter, at Coulter underscore Nuanez, and at Skyline Sports on Twitter, and then uh, on uh, on Twitter and Instagram, our radio show, at 1029 ESPN. That's not the show, it's the station, but it's kind of the same thing because there's only one show on the station. You got it? Go follow us around in there. You can talk to us there. You can tell us what you think about uh, this, other games you want us to pick, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we'll be out there in the uh, in the internet for you. All right. Be well. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.